Welcome back to We Knew Things by Darian, episode four. Today I'll be doing my first video podcast, and it will be a bit longer than my previous audio podcast. On March 5th, I'm going to be one of the keynote speakers at the NACS Convenience Summit Asia to be held at Lotte Tower, also known as Signeal. The title of my talk is Men Getting Older But Hotter. This video broadcast is a uh, teaser for some more background material for the talk that I'll do or will have done today. Okay, pop quiz. How old is hip hop or rap? I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about that. The answer is 50, actually 51. Let that sink in. Hip hop was born when DJ Coolhurt developed that beat that would later become mainstream just a few years later. So to think that hip hop or rap only belongs to young people is a total misconception. For the young folks listening out there, the bad news is that you're not going to be young forever. But the good news is you can always stay young. Nowadays, people say that 60 is the new 30, with life expectancy expected to be much longer than most countries. In fact, older people are quickly becoming the majority in many places, especially here in Asia. Take, for instance, uh, South Korea. Its ascent into the economic elite was fueled by hard work of more than 7 million baby boomers like yours truly, who entered the workforce in the 1980s and continued working on. That important age group, representing, amazingly, almost 20% of the entire population, has now mostly begun to retire. The results are A, a mass brain drain, B, wage inflation and skilled positions, C, the thinning of pensions, and D, a burden on the health system. The obvious solution to an aging population is to keep and train workers to be around longer. The Japanese and Korean private sectors, however, progress on that front has been slow. With management and labor united in pushing the status quo. Many companies still use seniority-based a system and fear that such a move will only lead to higher wage costs. Likewise, unions also do not want to rock the boat <laughs> if it means having to go merit-based wages for everyone. Moreover, face-conscious Asian companies, especially in the service industry, want to present 
a corporate persona that is dynamic, vibrant, and global. In other words, young. It also doesn't help that youth unemployment, always a sensitive political issue, is high. Many current day considerations work against hiring more or keeping older workers. This myopia ignores a sobering reality that shows many Asian countries having the lowest birth rates in the world, such as here in Korea, being, I think, last among the OECD. And the older population already outnumbers younger people. Furthermore, importing replacements of outgoing personnel is less of an option in Asian countries that have tight immigration policies. With fewer talent resources to draw from, the need to welcome back the boomerangs, another word for returning baby boomers, has come sooner than we thought. This is where the getting hotter aspect of my title comes into play for men of all ages, especially here in Asia. Men and beauty seem to, seem to be two contradictory domains because we often rely on an outdated assumption that men only want to appear manly <laughs> and nothing more. The reality is significantly different from that perception. This is especially so in many Asian countries where more and more men are daring to express how they want to look and therefore use not only a vast array of skincare items, but also you'll find this hard to believe increasingly makeup. The subtle drift in approach to men's beauty and consumer habits in Asia are currently challenging, strongly held conventional marketing wisdom. And the ways in which marketing and branding approaches might need to change, not only over time, but also across regions. The cosmetics industry has taken note and an increasing number of products are now being marketed specifically to men and not just for young men, but for all ages, including old folks like me. Whereas growth in global sales in women's beauty sector has been steady, there has been a far greater expansion in revenues for its male counterpart. The global men's beauty industry was estimated to be about 141 billion, that's right, billion in 2020 by report linker.com. This market, including men's bath and shower, deodorant, skin, and hair products is expected to reach 183 billion by 2027. 
according to Euromonitor, the region of the greatest growth for the global men's beauty industry will be Asia Pacific. If Asia's compound annu annual uh, growth rate of 8.1% were to continue beyond 2024, uh, it would most likely become the largest men's beauty market in the world, displacing Western Europe, which is predicted to have a much lower compounded annual growth of 3% between 2015 and uh, 2020. From the marketing calculus of global cosmetics companies, if they're interested in maintaining growth, this trend means that more attention has to be paid not only to men, uh, but also especially to those here in Asia. In South Korea, the country that gave us Gangnam uh, style, K-pop, and many of the latest uh, smartphone uh, trends leads this new revolution in male consumption, the men's beauty market. Regional differences in men's beauty, perhaps with the exception of Japan, was a laggard in the mass adoption of consumer products here in Asia. A good example would be the market for luxury products and brands. Whereas personal motivation drives demand for luxury in the West, in Asia, these are more symbols of social status. Asian buyers thus typically sought brands that ostensibly signaled their position in society, mostly in order to be accepted by their peers. And I think that is also true for the beauty market. Therefore, a similar pattern can be seen in how Asian men have become late adopters of men's beauty products, and increasingly, actually, the early adopters of new beauty products. The irony, however, is that their late arrival has allowed them, such as with mobile technology and social media, to leapfrog the slower and more conservative adoption of cosmetics, especially makeup, by men, such as in the Western countries. Part of this may be cultural, since open discussion of sexuality is still taboo in Asia. But because flamboyant uh, grooming and fashion in Asia don't necessarily take on the connotations of one's sexual orientation, as in the West, men can be bolder and quicker to adopt new and riskier stunts. Through popular cultural products, such as movies and TV shows, we can easily compare and contrast the visual aesthetics for what counts as masculine and well-groomed between Asia and the West. In the latter, there's still a tendency to equate manliness to rugged-looking men with facial hair. This differs in Asia where pretty boy images are more familiar and accepted.
Hollywood has sometimes perpetuated distorted stereotypes of Asian men as being emasculated, uh, or the roles at times have been subjected to even whitewashing. Against that backdrop, the success of movies like Crazy Rich Asians and Past Lives is noteworthy not just for its Asian cast, but also the new representation of an Asian man, uh, man as someone who was desirable in these mainstream American movies. The big caveat here is to ensure that even within Asia, that we do not commit a pan-Asian generalization about uh, grooming aesthetics. Since Asian countries will differ individually in what is considered a good look. So while common patterns might exist in Asia, marketers ultimately need to tweak the beauty products for individual national markets. Among Asian markets, South Korea is the leader. Even with local sensibilities being somewhat different, there are markets that other Asian countries look to, maybe even Western countries look to, as a general reference when adopting lifestyle beauty trends. This is what is called a lead market and is akin to opinion leadership uh, that we generally talk about in marketing. The South Korean men's cosmetic market reached about 1.5 billion in 2016, which is more than 10 times the size of the industry from just a, a decade back. That tells you what the growth here is like. South Korea became a lead market, much as Japan did before in many other markets, via a combination of tangible economic success, globally renowned companies, such as Samsung and Hyundai, and a software through uh, high-touch companies like Amore Pacific. There is a powerful cultural wave going on called Hallyu since the late 1990s, thanks to movies, K-movies such as Parasite, OTT binge-watchable series such as Netflix's Squid Game, pop music, of course, we have Gangnam Style and BTS, and women's beauty products, aka K-beauty. The four areas often overlap through celebrity endorsements. The explosive debut uh, and continuance in popularity of BTS has also drawn new interest in the West, 
and has now a global legion of fans called the Army. Not only uh, women, but also men. BTS already had a reputation throughout Asia for being a top group, not only because of their music, dancing, uh, but also the social consciousness of their songs, as well as their fashion style. They're just the latest thing in a long string of boy bands that have pushed the boundaries of the aesthetics of male masculine. The fact that they use once taboo items such as eye pencils and lip products allows non-celebrity men to follow suit, not just here in Korea, but elsewhere. New men's beauty segments, besides the classic metrosexual and uber sexual customer segments uh, are uh, Nomu, Jubek, Yummy, and the Zoom Boomers. Nomu, N-O-M-U, is an acronym for No More Uncle and represent men who want to rid themselves of the derisive uncle tag. That was once a euphemism for old or unfashionable. In the past, no one was attempted to be trendy just with clothing. But by the turn of the century, they were turning more and more to grooming products. The average Korean man uh, uses about 13 cosmetic products on a monthly basis. Chubek uh, was a monitor, excuse me, a moniker for weekend department store warrior and connotes middle-aged men who no longer stays at home or just accompanies their wives and family for shopping, but instead go shopping alone, and that's key, to reward themselves. Unlike their parents who preached individual sacrifice for both spouse and family, in the case of both the Nomos and the Jubeks, they represent Asian males with a new attitude that it's now okay to be self-indulgent. Unlike the past, when they passively wore what their girlfriends or wives bought for them, more and more men now shop alone to discover what pleases them and help them become more individualistic.
Another segment uncovered by marketing researchers are YUMMIES, which stands for Young Urban Male Professionals. They have very exclusive tastes for restaurants, cars, fashion, watches, and beauty products. The rise of the yummy, in Korea at least, appears to be in part a reaction to the rise of the gold misses, a term that is used to describe unmarried women with high socioeconomic status and level of education. Many of the descriptors of the yummy uh, are consistent with that of the gold misses who have been iconic to Korean marketers and their legions of followers. The yummies are young, single, often living alone, but unlike the previous generation of men, they take very good care of their faces and bodies, spurred on by television shows showcasing sexy male, not only stars, but also surprisingly chefs. Uh, and they relish learning about and cooking haute cuisine for themselves uh, and their friends, as well as, of course, their significant others. They also drive the demand for expensive beauty products, such as anti-aging serums, as well as poor management, uh, products and fragrances. As part of their need to be pampered by uh, beauty experts, their havens of choice are high-end barbershops, which is kind of a you take on an old service of barbershops. Marketing success here is often achieved by making something old into something new. In the case of uh, men's beauty products, it's the reinvention of the uh, barbershop. Whereas in the past, barbershops were where men went to just get a shave and a haircut. Uh, in recent times, metrosexuals also started to frequent hair salons, but for much more than a simple shave or trim. They were looking to get a perm, highlights, or a much more demanding hairstyle. All of this spelled the demise of old-styled uh, barbershops. At first in the UK and then in the US, barbershops have made a comeback by reinventing themselves. Men can still get a shave and haircut, but now so much more. Barbershops have transformed themselves into full-service beauty salons offering customized grooming to match one's face type, hair, and even profession. 
these shops typically cater only to men, even though women who want to uh, uh, transform their boyfriends or husbands take them there to become more confident and better looking partners. The community and chatty aspect of a barber shop for men may be something from the past, but it has found new life in this updated and localized form to appeal to the modern Asian man. The Asianization of the barbershop by change such as air aims to position it at the very high end and to offer grooming services like shampooing that men have come to expect, especially here in Asia, but not elsewhere. A typical sitting begins with a consultation about skin and hair, and to put the customer in a relaxed mood. At some places, it also comes with a glass of single malt scotch whiskey. Here, I'm wearing something in that Scottish mood with uh, Sterling, Scotland, in the background. It can even include tips on fashion and eating, making it a total lifestyle shopping experience. The men's beauty market is further illustration of a concept that I espouse called nunnopi, which literally means meeting the consumer at the eye level. And it speaks to the dynamism of Asia and Korea, which is constantly evolving. So where does this trend take us? Well, men's beauty trends could be used to forecast future demand patterns in their follower countries. Besides cosmetics, men also use products and services such as mask packs, facial peels, dermatologists, and cosmetic surgery. Yes, cosmetic surgery. As for purchasing channels, the primary ones are drugstores, online open markets, and one brand shops. And perhaps, who knows, convenience stores as well. As for sources of influence, the major ones are online product information, advice from wives or girlfriends, friends, and other online user reviews from men and women. The online channels provide a convenient source of information for millennials and Gen Zs who are often too busy to shop offline. Moreover, it allows them to buy potentially embarrassing products without the glare of onlookers. Marketers can also analyze from a sociological standpoint what drives the demand for men's beauty products in Korea and elsewhere. Therefore, if similar fundamentals exist in following countries, when 
well, then the predictions about those markets will become more assured. While many reasons can be cited, ultimately the motivation for using beauty products revolves around one keyword, hyper-competition. Not just in education, but also in the meeting of the opposite sex, getting and keeping a job, and in general, looking good. Another reason is to need to look young, both in social circles and at work. In contrast to the Confucian cultural principle that revered the age, modern times have revealed a decided preference for youth, since it is often equated with ability. It looks like the industry is here to stay and grow even further. Well, that's it for episode four. Annyeong, see you 